As I stuck with it, I started noticing the ways in which religion was not just used by the theocratic, totalitarian, fascist state, but it actually became a tool of resistance by those who were being oppressed. On today's episode, I speak with the Reverend Dr. Leah Shade about serious and disturbing subjects, including rape, slavery, and using religion to propagate dangerous beliefs. Be advised. I'm Yvette Walker, the host of the Positively Joy podcast, where we discover that joy is not a feeling, it's faith. You can find previous episodes at PositivelyJoy.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. However you found yourself here, you are welcome, and I believe it was truly God-destined. We are in Season 3, and this season has taken the podcast into the vantage point of what joy is. I'd like you to listen to each episode this season through the lens of how Jesus Christ defines joy. John chapter 15, verse 11 reveals this when Jesus tells us to keep the Father's commandments and abide in His love. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Enjoy, and I pray you receive the message the Father has for you. The Positively Joy podcast is a member of the Spark Media Network and can be heard on the Edify app. You know, it's pledge season on some public radio networks. We don't do that here, but we can't exist without your support. Join my friend SP in becoming a Patreon monthly giver. You can give as little as $5 and receive some great benefits. Go to PositivelyJoy.com and click support. Today, in part three of our occasional series on pop culture and faith, Reverend Shade and I explore the fictional and theocratic society Gilead in the series The Handmaid's Tale. We unpack the show and its religious underpinnings. And we ask the question, is Gilead really Christian? Here's Reverend Shade. Hi, Leah. Welcome back. How are you? I'm great, Yvette. It's so good to be back on Positively Joy. Well, this is our regular series of discussions talking about how pop culture represents faith, Uh, faith, religion, the clergy, and all of that. And we have had some great discussions. We have talked about how how it certainly how it represents the clergy, uh, how also it represents the, the, the evil one. Uh, we've talked about the show Evil. We've talked about uh, The Exorcist, the movie The Exorcist. We've talked about Cobra Kai, which is yeah. when we got started. <laughs> so we've we've had, I think, a really good series of discussions. And you asked me if we could take a look at what we're going to talk about today. And yes. I thought, wow, wow, it's really topical. It's really good. A little edgy, a little controversial. I, I really hope that we get some good comments on this um, because that's fine. And that is Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale, as it is on the Hulu series. Just want to point point that out, um, because she wrote the book in, oh gosh, was it 1985? Yes. And and I, the, the series is going into its fifth season, so it's been around for... Since 40. 2017. Okay, yeah. And then, of course, there was COVID, so there was probably a little bit of a delay. Right. 
And uh, for those of you who do not know what this, again, first a novel and then made into, actually there was a movie in the 90s with uh, Nastasha Richardson, I believe. Yeah, I have not seen that movie. Have you? A long time ago, but let's. But I really only want to focus on this series because yeah. I'm, I'm a little blurry on that. Um, also, I understand that it had been made into some other forms. So, so this is not the first adaptation of it, but it's certainly, I think, the most um, popular and the most remembered one because just so many people are watching it. Right. So for those of you who don't know the story, Leah, would you tell us what The Handmaid's Tale is about? Yes. So this is a, a dystopian novel uh, that was developed into this dystopian uh, television series. And it imagines a world where uh, for women's infertility is for some reason diminishing. It's on the decline. And this puts society into a turmoil. And a so-called Christian uh, totalitarian government takes over a portion of the United States, which they now call Gilead, which is a term in the Bible, which we can talk about in a little bit. Um, and in the process of their taking over this portion of the United States, basically, I think it's like the East Coast, they take away all rights of women. They take away all of the children, and they now become, they are owned by the state. Society is divided into different caste systems based on very strict Old Testament and puritanical ideas of what society should be structured around, which is the absolute and total control of women's bodies and reproduction in order to increase the fertility of the human race. And this story tells this experience from the perspective of one particular handmaid. That's what they call the women that are put into sexual servitude, sexual sla slavery. Uh, her, her name is June Osborne, but in the novel, she's called Offred, which the, the name is of Fred because she is owned by one of the commanders, Fred Waterford and his wife, Serena Joy. So just the, the naming of this woman, her name is stripped away and she now, the, the name literally says who she is owned by. She is of Fred. And then there's other handmaids who are of Glenn or of Charles. And part of the very disturbing aspect of this is that the women who are fertile and are handmaids are not only tortured and trained to be subservient, but they are subjected to monthly ritualized rape where the wife of the commander holds down the, the handmaid and the commander rapes her so that she will become pregnant. The child will then become uh, the property of the commander and his wife. And so this is how they are trying to um, order society and exercise power and increase their, um, increase the human race in a time of unexplained lowered fertility. Mm -hmm. 
And I don't know if they ever actually say, and I don't know if it's in the book, but I think the the lowered fertility rates have to do with what's happening in the world. Uh, you know, if whether or not it's pollution or some kind of something has happened in the world that's causing women to become barren. But there are these few special women who are still fertile. Exactly, exactly. And so if a woman is not fertile... Um, there are a couple of options what they will do with her. They may have her become a Martha, which is basically a, a servant in the household who cooks and cleans and, you know, uh, is the beck and call of the, of the masters. Um, or they may become what's called an unwoman and sent to the colonies, which, is, which are areas that are radioactive and complete no man's lands and poisonous and just really awful and basically sent there as a uh, concentration camp to die. And a punishment. And a punishment, right. It's used for punishment as well. Then there's also, there are Jezebels. So these are the, the women of pleasure that no one is supposed to know about or talk about but they are set aside for the officers to be able to go and, you know, have their way with. Uh, it's basically uh, prostitution, enslaved prostitution. And then there are other uh, industries that are going on on the sidelines. But you mentioned the, the environmental aspect of this. And this is one of the things that complicates the story because in some ways, Gilead is environmentally safer. They are, you know, it's cleaner air and purer water and they're trying to have clean food and not processed and homemade bread and, um, and, and all of these things to, to help women's bodies be safer. And apparently that does help, but at what cost? At what cost? Exactly. So we're talking about it on the show today because of a couple of things, because this is a theocratic society. Yes. It is definitely totalitarian, as you said, but it is based on, it is not based on the Bible. Let me just say that, but it is based on some biblical, some scripture that they have taken wholesale that does not, it's not New Testament at all. It's all Old Testament. Right. So, so Jesus's message of love and forgiveness and all that, we do not see that in this at all. So that's why I said that this is not from the Bible, but it is, it is taken, this, this society of Gilead is taken from certain, certain scripture. Mm -hmm. The other thing um, is that I just want to point out that the sex in this show is supposedly all about bringing society back, having children, because the majority of the women in the show are barren. Mm -hmm. But the sex is either illicit pleasure mm -hmm. or rape, right. and not the sex that God gave us to proliferate families. Right. So I think that's really important to point out. Yeah, that, that you're, that's a very important point to make, because it... it it shows that um, this this thing that that is a gift of intimacy and relationship has been completely corrupted and used for evil. And so, 
um, what that what the series shows us is how the handmaids are trying to survive, how they develop solidarity with each other, how they are able to resist, and then eventually how some of them get out and how they're able to get out some of the children, uh, sort of an underground railroad kind of thing. And, um, but, but, and, and I will, I think reader, our listeners need to know this too. It is, this series is not for the faint of heart. It is violent. Um, it does um, show, um, as you said, uh, sexual violence. And it's very disturbing. And I know some people who tried to watch it and had to stop, especially if they have experienced that kind of trauma. Um, this can be re-traumatizing. So just be warned that this is, this is in the series. And um, if somebody decides to watch it, if you need to stop and put it down, that's completely fine. Absolutely. And you are right. So I started watching this. I started watching season one. So that would have been in 2017. I watched the first season because I heard a lot of great things about it. And it is great. The acting is great. The writing is amazing. The, the, the way the characters are fleshed out, of course, is based on this wonderful prize winning novel. But I had to stop after season one. Now, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want anyone to think that I am uh, claiming to be, um, having had that kind of trauma in my background, I've been very blessed not to have that kind of trauma in my background. So I don't want to claim something that I don't have. But even for me, I had to stop watching it. It was very, very depressing. Mm -hmm. uh, especially that last episode of season one, it was just so depressing. I literally stopped it. Yeah. But I did pick it back up again once we knew we were going to do this show. Um, and I have, you know, I, I start, I watched it again and, and it is, it is very, it can be very triggering for people, as you said. Yes. Um, but it is an incredible story and one that is important. And I'm one that I'm really happy to talk about today. But thank you for that that warning. It is important for for women and men to, mm -hmm. to keep that in mind. Yeah, because they also show um I mean, this is this is a very patriarchal society. So there is violence against LGBTQ folks. There is, um, there is violence against those who are disabled. Mm -hmm. um, there is violence. There's just violence against anything that is other than um, able-bodied, fertile, wealthy, white people. <laughs> it's, it's really disturbing. It, and you're it, right. It, it is. It, it is it's, it's depressing. And, and one of the reasons, though, I wanted, I wanted us to talk about it is because it does have such cultural resonance when we think about, you know, you know, one of the things that you and I have always liked to talk about is, is art mirroring society or is society mirroring art? And we really see in The Handmaid's Tale how this is happening all over the place. Like, like the series came out in 2017. So just four months into the Trump administration. Mm -hmm. And... And it's, you know, and it went all, it sort of accompanied that administration where we saw the, um, the rise of, of patriarchal laws and anti-abortion laws. And now, of course, the, the Texas law. And, and so seeing this series where people are 
uh, showing up to protests wearing the handmaid's uniform with the you know the cowl and the red uh, the the red dress. Um, it's it's it, it uses people are using the series to frame their protests. So um, it's very to me it's fascinating the way the art and life are co-informing each other. Yeah, and I think you're right. And I, you know, I know that we're going to be talking about subjects today that are um, kind of related to politics. And I know that there'll be people who have different political views listening, uh, and that is okay. So again, if you disagree or agree, I mean, I love, I would love for this to generate a conversation. I'd love to hear from people. Um, either on the Facebook community or or send me a message at Yvette at PositivelyJoy.com. But um, I do think, as you said, it has such a, a topical relevance right now. And and we'll get into this later, but we found an interview, well, not even an interview, we found an essay written by Margaret Atwood herself in 2018 where she talks about her own concerns um, about present day, and we'll get into that in a minute. But, but let me ask you this, uh, Leah, and let me remind everybody of Leah's background. Would you, t- just in case no one's uh, had a chance to listen to you before, would you tell us who you are and what your background is? Sure, sure. I teach preaching and worship at Lexington Theological Seminary. I've been there for um, I'm now into my sixth year. I'm an ordained Lutheran minister and have served churches um, in. Um, urban, rural, suburban settings, and have been a pastor for 20 years. Not currently serving a church, but um, uh, my full-time ministry now is teaching. Uh, I've written five books, uh, and um, I've um, worked on grant projects, and um, really are, I'm interested in how culture and religion converse with each other. So I have a blog, Eco Preacher, at Pathios, and I do a lot of thinking and talking about the the intersection of religion and society and politics. That's sort of in my wheelhouse. So uh, I'm really happy that you're willing to having having this conversation with me about it, Yvette. No, absolutely. And and I just wanted everyone to know she knows she's got the street cred, guys. She knows what she's talking about. <laughs> so let me ask you. So we've already said that this is a theocratic society. It is a society based on a, a Christian belief. Again, I'm really going to be careful in saying it is a Christian, it's Christian or it's the Bible because the way they're playing it out, that's not Christianity to me and that's not the Bible. But it is a, is a theocratic society. So what is the message that the series is trying to convey about the dangers of this kind of theocratic and totalitarian religion, do you think? And at the same time, what are ways in which religion is portrayed in a positive light in the series? See, that's the interesting thing. When you watch the first two seasons, as you said, it's, it's pretty depressing. Mm-hmm. But as I stuck with it, I started noticing the ways in which religion was not just used by the theocratic, totalitarian, fascist state, but it actually became a tool of resistance by those who were being oppressed. So there are certain catchphrases and certain biblical phrases that they're supposed to keep repeating all of the time. And you can see 
the, the handmaids communicating with each other sort of in code. And, and it reminds me in some ways of the stories of the way um, uh, slaves in America would use biblical stories to communicate about how they were going to escape to the north and, and using certain symbols and hymns that would fly under the radar of the, of the masters in order to uh, sort of do this code switching sort of thing. And, and I started to realize, wait a minute, that's, it's not, it's more complicated. The series doesn't just bash religion. It actually shows how uh, June herself has a complicated relationship with religion. You know, she was, um, she was baptized and her, you know, that's sort of part of her background. And she and her husband wanted to have their child, Hannah, baptized. But she was what we would call a C&E Christian, right? So she'd be a Christian, a Christmas and Easter Christian, but not really, like it was not really part of who she was. Um, but the, she started, you can see how she uses scripture to frame the resistance. So when, when after, in the, let's see, the, the end of the third season, when she has just helped to get, I think oh, it's by, 85. By the, way, by the way, there's spoiler alerts in this. Just one oh, letter. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, right. I'm so glad you said it. Right. So big spoiler alert. Like we're talking about anything all the way through the end of the of the season four. So if you haven't watched, you might want to stop right now and come back. Yeah. <laughs> but there's um uh when when she gets these children on the plane. And of course she is, she's shot trying to protect them. Um, but when, um, when she is being taken uh, to, to a place of refuge by the other handmaids, um, she, she uh, scripture runs through her mind um, uh, the Exodus passage where the, the, they are liberated. And, and so you see like, oh, so she's actually using the tool of the oppressor to give hope and to sustain her in a time of great pain and tribulation. And, um, and, and you see little snippets of this. It's sort of like the minority report that is starting to emerge throughout um, seasons three and four. And that was something that really fascinated me. Um, and we can, we can talk more about... Um, you know, how, you know, the, the final episode, which is really, really stunning. Um, I'll just say br- very briefly, there is one time where, um, as far as I know, the New Testament is quoted in the series. Mm. And that's in the last episode of season four by, his name is Nick, and he's he he was one of the eyes, so these were the spies and the the sort of burly uh, um, uh, agents that make sure that everybody is doing what they're supposed to do and they're carrying their guns and that sort of thing. Well, he he doesn't just befriend June. They he is they're forced to. This is a long story, but they're forced to have sex, but they develop a relationship. Mm-hmm. They have a child together. He falls, they fall in love with each other and he helps her um, get to a point where she is able to 
I would say, exact revenge on her oppressor. And he quotes from uh, Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not to be mocked for whatever a man sows, so shall he reap. Wow. I, I like, missed that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, so it's like, okay, if this is what you're going to do to people and this is the way you're going to use it, then expect this in return. So it's a really interesting interplay of religion used to oppress, but also used to liberate. Mm. So first of all, let me say that this is going to be a two-parter because we have a lot to talk about. And what I, and as, as much as we will be talking about the specific things and plot lines, I know we also want to get into the characters, specifically the characters of the women. Yes. And so actually, you know what? I'm just going to have a little pause right now because we're coming up to, you know, almost 30 minutes. And I know we have so much else. So guys, I'm going to pause right now. If you're watching the video, you'll be watching the whole thing. But we're going to pause right now and we will pick up part two of this conversation in the next podcast episode. So stay tuned. Thank you for listening to Positively Joy today. Go to PositivelyJoy.com for inspiration, encouragement, and past episodes. Follow the podcast and review and subscribe wherever you go for podcasts. Don't forget to check out our cool merchandise with our new logo. And also on the website, go to the talk tab and leave us a message on what you love about Positively Joy and what you'd like to hear in the future. Again, thanks so much for being with us. Bye for now.